Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. We are here to wrap up our look at Dark Knight's Death Metal. I'm Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince. And we're going to start with the last of the one-shots that came out uh, for Death Metal. I, I meant to go back and count. We have to be over 10 one-shots, right? Oh, gosh. No way of knowing. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, you can never know. Uh, but, but we have to be getting close to that, I would think. It, it seems like yeah. there's just been a million of these things, and most of them are oversized. This has to be the event that I can remember that has the most important stuff happening in one shot in tie-ins with the least amount happening in the book itself. Yeah. yeah. And also the one shots got like progressively longer and more expensive as the event went on. You know, you start off and you, you have like three ninety nine and four ninety nine one shot tie-ins. And then by the end you've got like eight ninety nine. you know, there were two eight ninety nine books this month, which is like, come on <laughs> yeah so there were six seven eight nine ten eleven looks like there were eleven one shots robin king multiverses and no, no a little bit less than that robin king multiverses and rise of the new god infinite hour extreme multiverse who laughs last 52 secret origin last stories legends of the dark knights trinity crisis speed metal and the guidebook that's 12 one shots for a seven issue series oh, oh yeah i was gonna say almost almost double yeah. um yeah and that and that's not counting the three or four justice league issues five actually oh my goodness okay yeah uh well we, we were there for all of it and uh, we're here at the end. We're it's here... still less, I think. I, I think it is still fewer tie-ins than Metal had, though. Yeah, Metal had a bunch of those, like, tie-ins to, um, to, to like, uh, wasn't there, like, a John Stewart-centric tie-in? No, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Zero Year. There was a John Stewart issue of Zero Year. <laughs> um, uh, there, was, there was, like, the there were actual, like, issues of comics that tied in more so mm -hmm. like more so than like justice league i right. guess kind of like similar to how justice league did then there were all those dark knight tie-ins mm -hmm. um there was the hawkman issue the batman lost issue the grant morrison wild hunt issue mm -hmm. um so i don't know maybe it does come out to close but i think it was a little bit more plus there were like the two lead-ins you know the forged and the yes the other thing um there, there were a lot. There was a lot of lead-in stuff too. So I think, I yeah, I definitely think it had more tie-ins. I think that one also had more, like origin stories of fake Batman. Yeah, yeah. Whereas those this are the had Dark Knights issues. Yeah. Whereas this had more like um, somewhat useless stories with characters we already know and love. Yeah. I would take these over those. Absolutely. Yeah. The tie-in quality was significantly better. Yes. Okay, so so let's let's dig right into this. So there are a number of stories in this. This book is framed by a Wonder Woman story called Fight. When I read that, I picture it as uh, Kieran Culkin yelling "Fight!" in Scott Pilgrim versus the World, um, the yeah. first scene at the Battle of the Bands. Uh, Fight! Uh, this is written by Williamson and Snyder, uh, illustrated by Dexter Soy and Scott Coblish. 
or Koblish, perhaps. Um, this is this is kind of a whole bunch of just Wonder Woman and the Darkest Night just jabber jawing back and forth. We get a weird interlude here with uh, with, with zombie Roy Harper killing evil Wally West and yeah. telling not evil Wally West that he still owes him. Um, a clear dig at the Dan DiDio, uh, uh what's his name, Scott Lobdell stuff, I think. In, in which stuff? The 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 um uh I can't remember the name of the book the flash forward oh yes oh, okay. so I even I even read this as like so again this is well I I know sometimes on the show I think we give too much credence to bleeding cool but like the coincidence here is just too uncanny like do you don't you guys remember the rumor that at one point in heroes in crisis that wally was going to like basically go on like a mass shooting spree Mm -hmm. and that was how everyone was going to die yes and like that's what this wally is he's like you know dual wielding going around like blowing everyone away plus he has like half of a sanctuary um mask psycho pirate mask on his face like this feels like a again just like a straight up dig at heroes in crisis yeah mm-hmm. i read this way more as of a tom king fuck you than a scott yeah. Del fuck you yeah yeah maybe i'm thinking of something i think there's maybe a moment in death metal where the the dr manhattan wally thing is kind of made fun of i can't remember There is a minute where they fight a evil Dr. Manhattan Wally in one of the issues. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty sure there's a line in there that can be read as a dig at at Lobdell. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm sure I'm they're throwing shade on both two. guys. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I don't think it's necessarily one or the other here. Um but yeah, this Wonder Woman story is a whole lot of nothing. This this book is going to be characterized by two types of stories. The first type is when two characters just jaw at each other with exposition. And the other types are when characters narrate their own stories with exposition. But almost no dial almost no meaningful dialogue happens in any of these stories. Mm-hmm. Um anything else to say about this Wonder Woman story before we move on? Nah. Next up, we get uh, a Superman story called First and Last Men, written by Mags Visaggio and illustrated by Paul Pelletier. I will say there's a cool, there's a funny scene in this where a Superboy wearing his leather jacket says to a, 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 like an alternate super character, cool jacket, and he says, like, thanks, you're going to die, or something like that, because that was fun. Other than that, this is almost totally uh, forgettable. There is not much that happens here. There's just lots of different Supermen who fight each other. I like all those different Supermen, though. Like, I think, I think, oh, yeah, sure, yeah. I think Visaggio does a good job of playing all these characters off of one another, even if it doesn't amount to much. Um, I think like all the voices are pretty good, and I love the designs. I think the the Pelletier art. I like Paul Pelletier's art a lot. Same. Um, yeah, Pelletier is good. So this was one of my. 
one of my favorite stories, I think, in this whole thing. And I, I didn't care for this tie-in issue as much as, you know, many of the others we've talked about. But, but this story was really enjoyable, I felt, just because it had a variety of voices and the, the art was really good. Yeah. Zach, is there anything to add to that or no? Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, after the Superman story, we next get uh, a Batman story called The Batmen Who Laugh. This is by James Tynion IV and Alex Maleev. And um, this is Batman and the Batman Who Laugh just talking to one another. It's pretty bad. I'm so sick of the Batman Who Laughs. I hope we never see that character again. Oh, we will. I know we, we will. will. They they make a point to to basically tell you that we will, yes. Um, so thanks for that. Yeah, this is this is basically the exact same premise as the Superman story from before, but with Batman we've seen this kind of thing done to death, and especially in in the Dark Knights events. So I don't know what are we really getting out of this one. Nothing. Yeah. Oh, the oh the Batman who laughs is twisted. <laughs> Zach, anything on this? Yeah, no, I didn't care for this at all. Um, and I, please don't make me ever have to read about the Batman who laughs again. <laughs> uh, then we get a story called Unstable Adams by Kyle Higgins and Scott Collins, which is a Ryan Choi Mr. Terrific story. Love this pairing. I thought this was a lot of fun super science stuff. Uh, the ending is kind of predictable with Ryan Choi basically doing the Scott Lang from Civil War move of getting big and no one knows he can get that big. Um, but a fun issue nonetheless. We don't see enough Ryan Choi or enough Mr. Terrific. Zach? Yes. Um, I don't think that this plot with him doing things with the metal men factors into death metal at all. No, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, which usually that's something that these tie-ins kind of do is like, oh, we'll show like a side of something that gets, you know, maybe one page in death metal proper. But I, I don't think that this is a thing, but it, it's fine. I don't think you even see the metal men in the background of Death of metal. other issues, yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could be wrong, but no, I certainly I... don't remember it. Yeah, I don't either. All right. Um, after that, we get a Lois Lane story called No More Superheroes, written by Regine Sawyer, illustrated by Aletha, or Aletha Martinez. Um, this story uh, has... Our Lois Lane encountering a an alternate a, a dark multiverse Lois Lane who was wearing the Superman armor and carrying the lasso of truth, but also carrying Superman's head. What? Because she's dark and twisted. Uh, she kills uh, Maxima here. R.I.P. Maxima. And that's all I have to say about this. Um, do you guys remember when we? when the like uh the dark multiverse books first started coming out and i had like posited or like wondered if those characters would show up in death metal and then none of them did mm -hmm. but there was like a dark multiverse lois lane and one of those very first 
one shots um and it's very funny to me that like of any time that they could have used her they could have used her here and instead they they made a different dark multiverse <laughs> lois lane <laughs> yep oh it's just I, it's just I, funny to me i think that shows you how much they were hoping that you would just buy those books and not read them yeah <laughs> although, you, although you to buy the tales but but they don't matter hey no mind on that one on that note something i don't know when we'll ever get a chance to talk about this again because we're not talking about any of these books right now and who knows if we ever will but i was flipping through the um the recent uh steve orlando i think it was crisis on an infinite earths infinite earths um yes. was his mm-hmm. um he has like a dark multiverse version of alan scott that i'm like 85 percent sure shows up in this the most recent issue of grant morrison's green lantern <laughs> that's wild i'm, I'm on, not positive on. but they come look on. so similar <laughs> i'll send you pictures later okay uh all right anything else to say about this i don't think so okay Next, we get Raven in a story called The Falling Through the Cracks, written by Che Grayson, illustrated by Pop Mahan. Um, even though I am the Teen Titans simp, I had to read this twice to remember anything that happened in it. It's a pretty boilerplate. Raven battles some evil Teen Titans. She is challenged. She succeeds in the end. Anything else to say? Um... I, I I like the Aqualad design. He's got like a he's got like a, a squid beard. I don't know. That's a that's a nice thing I can say about this. Here here's the thing. I don't think this issue is terrible. It's just that we've we've seen all of this before. Oh, nightmare versions of all these characters. Okay. I'm pretty sure this exact thing has been done in this event to death. And you're just, you're not getting anything new out of it, you know? Uh, Oh, a dark version of a hero shows up and says a a twisted thing that would piss off the real version of it, you know? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Some of the designs are cool. Costumes are good eight out of ten harsh it's not an yeah right harsh man harsh um next we got a penguin story didn't didn't expect to see a penguin story here what what in the world why uh written by marguerite bennett illustrated by uh anaki miranda i enjoy both creators but i what the fuck was this guys (laughs) it was it was brian pain and prejudice (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I did kind of like how there's the goof of like a bunch of the penguins in this are just the way that the penguins been presented over time in DC Comics, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's one that's kind of the Danny DeVito inspired penguin. There's there's you know they're just they're these different these different penguins. But who gives a shit? <laughs> I, I don't understand why this is here at all. Anything? No. <laughs> no, I, I, 
you you said Danny DeVito, and now I'm just imagining him saying, "Hey, assholes! I'm Mini Me." <laughs> Zach Zach doesn't get that one. Nope. <laughs> well, then we get. Uh... A John Constantine story called Armageddon Blues, written by Matthew Rosenberg, illustrated by Rob Guillory. First of all, love seeing Rob Guillory in a DC comic. Uh, second of all, this one was predictable as shit, but a lot of fun. You instantly knew it was going to happen when the two Constantines go out for a drink. You know that one of the Constantines is going to try and kill the other one. Uh, quote, our Constantine one. But it was it, I, I had some fun with this. What did you guys think? The the art is great. Um, I love Rob Guillory's art, and he could do you know in much the same way that Riley Rosmo did. He could do a very comical, offbeat Hellblazer comic. I think if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have much else to say about it. Same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the final story before we come back to the Wonder Woman story again at the end, because there was so much left unsaid the first time, is uh, a Swamp Thing story called Reign of the Swamp King. This was written by Justin Jordan, illustrated by Mike Henderson. If anybody thought we were going to get a follow-up to the New Age of Heroes in this book, congratulations, you get a Zagnut bar. Um, this references, what's the name of that book? I've already forgotten it. Brimstone. <laughs> Brimstone, thank you. <laughs> Um, I have it written down, and the time took me to look away. I forgot what it was called. <laughs> um, which was which was written by Justin Jordan. Yes, it was. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I do like. Who the was idea... that one drawn by? Because that was the big Philip thing. Philip Tan. Yeah, that's that right. That was that yes. was the bad Philip Tan, if I recall correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah it know. was. It was. Um, I, I one thing I will say about this issue, and then I will shut up about it. I did like the idea of there being a team of like DC's monsters. Like Brimstone, Frankenstein, Solomon Grundy, Swamp Thing. Thought that was kind of cool. Like that's almost like a Justice League Dark, but not. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, like that I, Steve Orlando book. Yeah. Um, um, Steve Orlando's Monster Squad. Where, yeah, where they fought Melmoth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, has the melt ever been a thing? Uh, yes. In what? Um, I'm looking it up right now. Yes, here. Um, it looks like it was introduced in a 1996 issue of Swamp Thing. Wow. Um, Mark Millar. Yeah. And Phil Hester. Look at that. That is wacky. Okay. Man, there are so many different things. The various Earth elementals of the DC Universe have been known to communicate with the melt as well, um, including the black, the green, the red, the clear, the white, the gray, the metal, the divided. Yeah. If you recall, when we did our, like, pitch our version of the DC Universe game, I had a team called Justice League Earth, where each of these different realms were represented by a hero in the Justice League. That's wacky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. DC, I'm still available. If you want to hire me. (laughs) Um, I thought this was fine. 
by the end of this issue, I was just so fatigued by the bullshit that I think I would have enjoyed this more if it was the first or second story. Um, but that's just the, that's the way the cookie crumbled in terms of the way the book was put together. Yeah. At least it was different. Ish. Uh, and then it ends with the Wonder Woman story a little bit more. We just see her and the Darkest Night talking again some more. Brief flashback to a Themyscira as a kid. Yeah, I think the other one shot, the last one that we talked about before this, the the was that the the last that stories. Was, yeah, whatever that one was, infinitely better than this one. One hundred. And I, I actually worth your time. That one was like worth reading and worth your time. This one, I, I, I would not recommend this one. Uh, in a piece that's going up in Multiversity Comics either yesterday or the day before when you're hearing this, um, I mentioned how this is the weirdest like structured event of all time <laughs> and how this is the best case for bookbinding I can imagine. Like just taking all the good stuff from Death Metal and making your own Death Metal story because there's a lot of stuff you can cut out from, from the one-shots or from the main series here. Yeah. All right, well, let's take a break, and when we come back, we will uh, hear from our last issue of Death Metal, Death Metal number seven. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back and take us page by page death metal number seven for the final time leading death metal discussion it's vince hey all right so you know when we started this project and i said oh we're gonna do a page by page thing don't worry i'll lead it i thought there was gonna be a lot more of like fun details page to page <laughs> this thing's really padded out um yeah i think we, we've we've talked about that a lot with the tie-ins and how they there's more going on in the tie-ins than there is in the main book. Um, but it's made the page-by-page page thing not as fruitful as I thought it would be. But anyway, <laughs> thank you for listening uh, to me do this month after month. Um, all right, so page one, we've got the uh, the Golden Diana that we saw at the end of uh, issue six. And she's kind of surveying... She says she's surveying the entirety of the war, past and present... Um, which is really, I'm getting some like major golden Superman vibes from like DC 1 million yep. from this thing. I have to think that was an intentional uh, homage. But anyway, so she is she's surveying the past and present of this war. Next, we get a, a double page spread here where Diana's facing off against the Batman who laughs as he taunts her. Um, down below, you see this massive spread of all the heroes and villains fighting. Um, I, I guess basically the, the the content of the one shot we just talked about, right? 
Yes, um, the, the one shot all takes place. It appears within this uh, this like one page. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so then, so she's fighting the Batman who laughs. Um, Diana remarks that the he is more powerful than her, but uh, nonetheless, she's going to keep fighting. She grabs one of his Earths and shrinks it and smashes it against his teeth. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was kind of that, that was kind of fun. Um, on the next, uh, next we have another double page spread where the Batman who laughs, uh, is basically stealing, steals the Titans powers from them and kind of tosses them away, which is just setting them up to be bait for a trap for Diana because he knows that she'll go and try to save them. Um, and as she is distracted, he punches her so hard that they begin to fly backwards through time. And we see uh, visions of DC history, including like a an ancient Camelot, Etrigan, and uh, uh, prehistoric, I, I assume, Vandal Savage. Um, and we end up on the next page, 160 million years ago, among the dinosaurs. Um, and so they're in prehistoric times. Uh, the Batman who laughs continues to taunt. Um, then we go back to, uh, the battlefield where the heroes are fighting their worst fears. Again, it's the, the, the one shot we just read. Um, this is the bit where they're making fun of the, uh, flash forward stuff because, uh, you've got Wally, you've got a dark, uh, Wally Manhattan Metron, uh, amalgamation, which, uh, Barry says, you're just a bad idea. Um, Again, like overtly calling another creator's uh, recent work at DC a bad idea. Um, good stuff there. I think we're I think we're all basically in agreement with wow. Barry yeah. on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we also get uh, uh, Arthur's mother as Ocean Master, which we've seen. We saw that in the last issue, I think, and also a dark version of Swamp Thing. Um. So again, dark versions of these characters. Um, we go uh, back to Diana. She's well. Diana's narrating as this fight's going on, and she's talking about how she's full of anti-crisis energy, and is actually drawing strength from her from the, her allies that are fighting on the battlefield, even though they're eons away at this point. Um, then we get uh, an image of Deathstroke, Mr. Freeze, uh, Poison Ivy, uh, Bane, Solomon Grundy, uh, the Joker, uh, all kind of fighting, just kind of to show that, like, the villains are in on this, too, and they're fighting alongside the heroes. And um, the the Robin King is, te- is standing there telling them to surrender, they're going to lose, blah, blah, blah. I like this little do this fight all night and Dick says they'll look good doing it. Um, which is a I like I like the way Dick's been written throughout this and throughout the tie ins. It's it's nice to have a Dick back instead of Rick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the only thing this scene was missing was an ass shot of Dick. We didn't get that. Um on the next page we get the uh the last son, this evil Superman character that we saw in the one shot in the, in the Megaland of 
Magdalene Visaggio story from that. Um, and he's talking about how he's a Superman that was born after Krypton blew up. And in in maybe the dumbest uh, moment in the issue, uh, Brainiac says that uh, he was born Kal-El, but they call him Kill-All. Which <laughs> is terrible. Terrible stuff. Um, on the next page, uh, Diana finds herself face-to-hand with the hand that made the multiverse, or in other words... Uh, Perpetua's hand. Remember that she's one of the the hands that uh, basically made everything in the DCU. Um, the Batman who laughs tells Diana that you know even if the heroes win, even if they defeat the Batman who laughs, the hands will come and see what a mess has been made of the world, and they will wipe everything out anyway. And Diana knows that he's right, but of course, like. The alternative is letting the Batman Who Laughs win, so they can't have that. Um, we go back to the battlefield where uh, Dark Wally is continuing to fight with Barry. Um, as he's B- Barry says that he's been distracting him this whole time so that the rogues can show up, and, uh, and they do, and they wrap him up. You got Golden Glider and uh, all, the, all the rogues there. Um, and you also see. I know you know who they are, but you just yeah. sound like like a dad. Like, oh, it's all this. All the supervillains are there yeah. together. They're all fighting well, together against the good they, guys. Yep, they are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's death metal, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you you get you also get a panel where uh, kind of the wonder characters, uh, Donna and Hippolyta and Artemis, uh, take on the Lady Ocean Master. Um. So they begin to turn the tides of battle. Um, Clark, on the next page, takes the last sun up into space and away from the rest of the Superman family in the battle down below. Um, we go back to the Batman Who Laughs, who reiterates this same offer. I feel like we've seen him make this offer a dozen times now, where he says, yep. hey, let me win. I'll give you your own earth. It's going to be great. It can be, you know, it'll be a paradise just for you. Um, yeah, we've, we've literally seen him make that offer like half a dozen to a dozen times now. Um, and uh, at this point, the hand is placed between uh, Diana and the Batman who laughs. And on the next page, Diana kicks the hand into the Batman who laughs. And again, like, as dumb as this all is and as padded out as some of this stuff is and as much as we've seen the Batman who laughs say the same shit over and over again, Diana kicking Perpetua's hand into him is a wonderful image that I I, I got some joy out of. So Total opportunity long. here, though. She should have said, sorry, was that rude than here? Let me lend you a hand. It was right there waiting for them. They didn't do it. She could have even said, don't talk to me. Talk to the hand, exactly. Talk to the hand. To to reference our good friend, Walt, she could have also said something like, um, something, something, NBC's The Slap. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's a deep cut, but a good one. <laughs> the the title of this issue is a slap in the face. I don't know if you noticed that. No, I didn't, but that's the title of the issue should have been NBC's The Slap. <laughs> it would have made no sense. It would have brought joy to three people, four people. Um yeah. hang on. I I'm I'm getting Walt's pin tweet up. So that the actual name of the book should have been hang on. This is, this is so indulgent. Whenever someone <laughs> oh, says oh, a yeah. work of art slaps, they're comparing the quality of that work to Embassy's dramatic miniseries, A Slap. The whether the comparison is favorable or not depends on whether or not that person liked the slap. <laughs> that should have been the name of the issue. That's an all-time tweet, by the way. That's, that's one is. of the greatest tweets of all time. It is. It's fantastic. It only has seven retweets, and I'm one of them, and that's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd retweet it if I were on Twitter. You can't retweet right. from Farmers Only. Well, what did we establish the Farmers Only retweets are called? Uh, moves or something like yeah, that? Yeah, there, there is a joke somewhere about this. So you definitely haystacked that or whatever it is. So <laughs> Anyway, keep going with the issue. Haystack is what we call our substack. You know, oh, okay, right? got it. Got it. <laughs> All right, okay. So Diana kicks the hand into the Batman Who Laughs. And there's a great quote on the next page. Uh, it's part of the narration. Um, As she kicks him in the face with the cosmic hand of creation, she suddenly feels a surge of power. <laughs> I think that's a that's a great... That's one of those quotes you just read it and you go, that okay, Snyder, Snyder knows what he's doing when he writes that out. Um, so we're back on the battlefield. We see... Uh, Harley Quinn barely hanging on. Uh, the Robin King chops off uh, Bruce's Black Lantern ring. We see Clark uh, again, like fighting with the last son up in space, and and he's dying, but he, he's going to take the last son with him. And Diana's kind of observing all of this in her mind's eye, and realizes that the key to it all is fighting with no chance of winning. Basically, Zach, this is Kingdom Hearts, right? Like friendship. Friendship will save the day. Yeah. Absolutely. Fighting back against the Batman who laughs. And she's punching at him, punching him back forward through time. We see an image of the JSA round table. We see a Kal-El ship. We see an image of the Justice League then kind of mimicking the JSA's formation. We've got a Justice League formation. And I like the way this is depicted. Capullo draws it as her punching through, like, spherical panels that are meant to represent Earths or something that show these, that depict these different... Or I guess maybe they're... They're probably Earths, but they also remind you of, like, the beads or the knots in that knotted uh, timeline that they're unraveling uh, that they talked about in earlier issues of death metal. It's just a cool effect. I like, I like the way that, that this is depicted artistically. Um, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So she punches him uh, forward through time to the end of everything. The death sun where basically all stories end because they're absorbed by the massive sun. Um, she is pushing him towards the death sun 
and, but the hands are approaching behind her, and uh, the Batman who laughs lets her know this. Um, meanwhile, the Robin King is still taunting Bruce back down on the battlefield. Um, and he, I, again, I like this part. It's kind of stupid, but whatever. Um, Bruce says that the Robin King must not know Batman as well as, as he thinks because uh, the real Batman would never keep a Black Lantern, the real Black Lantern ring on his hand. And so I don't know, he was keeping it in a pocket or something, but uh, <laughs> he begins he begins to raise uh, like the dead Bat family army uh, as well as uh, Alfred Pennyworth of Epix's Pennyworth. <laughs> Um, and uh we go back to clark in space and he's kind of fading in this fight with the last son lex shows up in a big power suit and lex says that this new power suit he made contains a black hole and the last son is kind of like that that's insane you'd never use a suit like that because uh any damage would actually cause Lex is until right now. And then uh, he ends up sucking the last sun into a black hole. Um, we go back to the fight with the Batman who laughs, and he's asking Diana to stop and picture the world that they could have if they just let the Batman who laughs win. And she does. And she thinks about this world where they're all young again and where they can start anew. And yeah, the truth about what happened in their histories would be covered up. It's basically a rebuking of the New 52, uh, is what I read it as. Um, and, you know, she, she looks at that and decides that's not what she's going to do. And she pushes the Batman who laughs into the flaming sun. Um so then the next time we, we catch up with her, it's on this sort of like gray or white kind of limbo page. And uh, there's two sets of, of uh, dialogue balloons here. And it's Diana speaking to it's she's speaking to one of the hands. I don't think it ever specifies which hand it is, um, but she ends up saying, I'm going to take a form that's more palatable to you. And the hand ends up appearing as the Golden Age Wonder Woman, or the Golden Age Diana. This is essentially when Homer Simpson has Colonel Pink appear to him. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that episode? Yes. At first it's Sir Isaac Newton, but he doesn't recognize him, so he has to come back as Colonel Pink. I'm glad you got the reference and they're enjoying it so much. <laughs> I love when you just spring something like that on us. Oh God. Okay. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think what what the context for that was. <laughs> I'll think about it as you're talking. Okay. All right. So anyway, this hand is explaining, like, appearing as as Diana to her, that, um, you know, the hands. Contrary to what the Batman Who Laughs said, the hands observed the heroes fighting for them, and they realized that 
it's extraordinary because the hands themselves would never fight for the lower beings, even if they were superheroes. And they would have wiped it all away. And, you know, being impressed by that, they decided that instead they're going to restore reality. Um, but for comic booky reasons, the way that they're going to do this is they're going to take all the barriers away from reality so that all histories are remembered. Um, interestingly, the hand says something about when it comes to your kind, there are no room for boundaries. And I think that that, to me, that's, again, like a metatextual thing talking about superhero comics. That's a, To me, that's Snyder saying, like, in 80 years of DC history, there's no way to make it all make sense, no matter what we do, without losing something. And so when it comes to your kind, there's no room for that anymore. Does that make sense? Is that how you guys read it? or More or less, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, can, we, can we pause here? I, I have a question for you guys before we keep going page by page. Sure. Do you guys think that this is how it was intended to end? Do you think that this Diana was supposed to be a hand that was taking a form that that was literally supposed to be the golden age Diana based about the different generation timeline that Hmm. got trapped. That's a good question. I, mm, I think it's, I think it's probably been changed. It feels like a dialogue tweak to me. It feels like a complete like recontextualization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, here's my question. Right. So we, we don't know a lot about what the generations thing was going to be outside of like the broadest strokes. Right. Mm-hmm. Do we think that, cause I would think that the, the implication would be that Diana, that our Diana is also the Golden Age Wonder Woman. She is now in this... But I think even then she would have been. Like, we saw her introduced um, in... What was it that... There was that... Was it the Batman anniversary issue? That first that, that first story with Alan Scott and Diana. Mm-hmm. That was supposed to be like the kickoff of the Generations thing. What what book was that in? That was, that was in... Um... The, the Wonder Woman thing was part of the it was either like a Wonder Woman anniversary issue or something they they were all like spread across different books yeah yes. um, Scott Snyder wrote that yeah. but I think that I don't think like I think that that would have been like the true unfiltered unrebooted undistilled Wonder Woman which is not our not this Wonder Woman that we're following in death metal I, I definitely think I didn't think about this until Vince said something, but I think that originally this was supposed to be like the real Wonder Woman. Um, Cause, but cause, they changed it. Yeah. And the, the reason I'm saying that is be really because of that generational timeline, you know? Yeah. Because, because, Think about this, 
that story with Diana and the JSA, that's supposed to be taking place back in the 1940s, right? So knowing what we know about how the generation's timeline was structured and how it couldn't possibly make sense that this Diana in death metal is that Diana. I, I, I mean, now it does because, because now DC is just saying, you know what? There's, it doesn't make sense, but it doesn't have to. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't try to reconcile this. But I think when Didio was working on that timeline, there was a concerted effort to put years on all of this stuff. I'm, I'm going to push back ever so slightly against that because, you know, invoking the name of, of, of Zack's internet girlfriend, Gal Gadot, like in the Wonder Woman film, Wonder Woman does not age between World War One and 1984, right? Like she is, she is supposed to be this much, much older, slower aging person, right? So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that the Wonder Woman of today isn't also supposed to be the literal Wonder Woman of the 40s. I mean, it is now, but I'm saying, I'm saying, I really even, don't think even that... a year ago, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily untrue. Mm-hmm. God, yeah, I, wish, but I wish we would see that. Ti- I wish the timeline would have gotten finished and we would have seen it because I think it was finished. I think it just never got released. I right. think it didn't leak. One day it'll leak. We should because get I, on the show to talk about it. Because I really do think they were going to say that, like, there were multiple Wonder Women. And who knows? Maybe at the end of. <clears throat> because, you know, Snyder did. Snyder did say that the ending of Death Metal changed in some way. I, I think that maybe it's like talking about it in terms of like, yes, like I think you're right, Brian, like in continuity, like the rebirth Wonder Woman has probably been around since the 40s. I mean, she's been around for like hundreds of years, probably. Right. But like, I think. What 5G like would have done and would have been is like. Like this would have been like platonic wonder woman you know like wonder woman as if she had just continued to be published it's like if wonder woman comics had been published like hellblazer was where like she just continued to go on and was never rebooted you know what i mean okay all right that's interesting um just to jump in here for a second vincey what i think snyder said and i'm trying to remember if he said this on the show or he and i had a, a phone call or rather an interview for another project where he talked about this also. Um, but he he said that, I guess, with, with 5G coming after Death Metal, there wasn't a place for the ending of Death Metal to, to, like, to lead into it. It was, he felt like Death Metal was the end of an era and that 5G was the start of a new era. Mm-hmm. Whereas he felt like this ending allows those two things to connect. I I don't see... I, I know he said that. Yeah, I agree with you. I remember him saying that. He said that on... He said that in a discussion with you, I'm sure. 
I don't understand the distinction. I guess without knowing for sure what 5G was, I don't understand how this is any different because at the end here, it 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 very much does lead into future state. So what I think, my my totally uneducated thought on this is that 5G was going to, that at the end of Death Metal, I don't think the ending of Death Metal would have been all that different in terms of like what Wonder Woman does at the end, right? Like basically I think everything up to this scene would have been more or less the same. But I think after the resolution of Death Metal, in in the DC like like Maxi story, when you pull back and look at the whole story, everyone was going to go back to being I don't want to say like in real time continuity, but I think it was more. Weren't we hearing that like the Trinity were going to be eighty years old essentially? Yeah. Yeah. I think so, so I think so. I I think essentially Snyder's story doesn't doesn't push them forward. So I think what would happen is this book would have ended more or less the same way, and then the next month there would have been a Diana who's eighty years old. Whereas, See, and I think, and, and that's what I'm saying. I think this was going to be that Diana. Sure, but 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 here's the difference to me. To me, the end of this story, like this, this in a way sets up Future State better than it ever could have before. Than it could have set up 5G. But I don't think any of that was there until the deal was fired. Yes, I yeah, I think I, okay, I think that's true, and I think that's because. We want our cake and 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 to eat it too. So the fact that we get future state and the heroes don't have to get aged up or 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 really set aside, um, makes makes that seem like a better ending to us. Yeah, yeah, I I see what you're saying. I just I just think, I, and I'm not I'm not married. Like I don't think I'm a hundred percent right here necessarily i just think it's very strange to show you the golden age diana and to know what generation what the generation stuff was supposed to be and then for this to just be just be a visage that a hand is wearing it really doesn't make sense no it doesn't at all but I, sorry, Zach. Go ahead. Finish up. Oh, I was just gonna say that's why I think it is a red, not a red. It's weird to call it a retcon because like this it's is an editorial change. Yeah, it's an ed- editorial yeah. change. I am I am like eighty percent sure that Snyder said that the only thing that changed with the ending of Death Metal was how Death Metal fit into everything else. Well, this would be this would be part of that. Uh, uh maybe. I don't necessarily think so. Okay. Well, we'll never know unless Snyder spills the beans to us. and then, right. Which we will have him on any time. Yes. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to pull too hard to... <laughs> no. All right. <clears throat> so uh, anyway, we'll, we'll keep going. That was just a thought I had while reading this. Struck, it struck me as weird that that was the vehicle for showing us Golden Age Diana. But okay. 
So anyway, she says, yeah, we're going to tear down all the barriers between all your histories and everything. Um, but she cautions there will be a great cost. And uh, this wonder, the current Wonder Woman must ascend to a new plane of existence to protect the new reality from a lurking threat. Um, and so she and Diana walk away hand in hand. And Sergeant Rock continues his narration, uh, showing us how everything is restored after the events of death metal. Um, it's here where the Capullo art ends and the Yannick Paquette art begins. Love me some Yannick Paquette. Um, we see a Superman in front of the, the hall of justice, making a speech to all the heroes. Uh, we get a, we get a great Yannick Paquette Superman smile. Um, looking a lot like, uh, uh, TV's new Superman, by the way. I can't. Tyler uh, uh, Hawkland. Oh, you mean Sephiroth in Final Fantasy VII remake? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I meant. Everybody uh, means that when they when they talk about the new Superman show. Yeah. No, I I mean the uh, I mean the 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 dickish uh, husband in the Andy Samberg. Uh, uh, time traveling uh, groundhog day vehicle that is what uh, that's also what you meant yes yeah, yeah and also when i watched that i leaned over to my wife and said that's Sephiroth from final <laughs> fantasy 7 remake <laughs> and she said good lord i'm happy to this man um i do want to point out that everybody in this scene is smiling like down to batman and damien yes yes and that seems very purposeful yes for sure uh, Abby Arcane is the only one who's not. Yeah. <laughs> yes, everyone is smiling. Um, all the people are smiling. <laughs> yes, everybody's happy. <laughs> and then on the next page, we get a, a Yannick Paquette double-page spread uh, of a concert that the various members of the Justice League are, are playing in. That's a humongous drum set being played by The Flash. Um, what song do you guys think they're playing, by the way? Um, High High Hopes. Um, <laughs> God Gave Rock and Roll to You from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Okay, great. Two very good answers. I like to think it's, you know, somebody once told me the world was going to roll me. <laughs> Sure, yeah, <laughs> it is. They're actually just playing a Digimon soundtrack. Digimon soundtrack. <laughs> Yeah. Conan O'Brien's in the back holding yeah. up the, the yeah. album. I was gonna make a reference that you guys would never get, so that's a much better reference. I okay, we'll do it anyway. Uh, I can't uh, I, something from the Rivers demos. No, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's the song that that the different uh, members of Police Academy get up and play in Police Academy Four. <laughs> So, yeah, no idea. Citizens on Patrol. Citizens on Patrol, correct? Yes. Uh, it might. Yeah, a, a, it actually. It actually might be from Police Academy Three: Back in Training. But can you can you name all the subtitles quickly, Vince? Go. I. Well, let's see. There's Police Academy. There's yeah. Police Academy Two: Back in the Habit. There's no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no close. No, close. no. I just I know Citizens on Patrol, and I believe there's a, a mission to Moscow. Is that? Uh, it's Police Academy. Police Academy Two: Back in Training. Police Academy Three. 
Uh, no, sorry. Please give me two their first assignment. Please give me three back in training. Please give me four citizens on patrol. Please give me five assignment Miami Beach. Please give me six city under siege. And then the last one is not numbered, but it's police academy mission to Moscow. Co-starring okay. Christopher Lee in that one, by the way. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, you guys are sickos. <laughs> yep. Well, I only knew two of them, Zach. So don't 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 let me in with this sicko here. <laughs> Number one Gutenberg fan over here. Uh, the series did decline after he left. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was the glue. The Glutenberg, in <laughs> the fact. Glutenberg, yeah. Um, yep. Okay, so anyway, they're having a big-ass concert, which I believe is similar to the way that Metal ended. I think you're right, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, then so we, you, just sorry, one quick question here. So. Yeah. Uh, Bruce is playing the bass, which is totally a Bruce thing. Like Bruce has a bass that's shaped like a bat in the Bat Cave, mm-hmm. and he plays along to like new metal when he needs to get en- his energy out. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the Flash playing the drums makes total sense too. Um, Black Canary, we've established she is musical, so her playing guitar is is great. It must be canon that Clark can't sing, right? Like we can't he- imagine Clark's a good singer. Well, he he sang and def- he sang the note that defeated Darkseid. That's different. That's like uh, I, I feel like I Clark think Clark can ter- sing. Oh, I, I picture him like terrible at karaoke, like trying. Oh, I think what he has a he has a golden choir boy's voice. Yeah, I voice. think he has the voice of an angel. Oh, I think he's tone deaf. But okay, <laughs> anyway. All right. So we disagree on. on that and Golden Age Wonder Woman. Very yes. good. Yes. Okay. Um. All right. Where was I? Uh, okay, so anyway, a rock concert. Um, and then on the next page, we get a double-page spread on the dark side of the moon where um, a Barry is taking Wally to show him something. And we see a big structure that looks like the Hall of Justice and the um, Legion of Doom symbols mashed together. And uh, Barry says, we're trying something new. And uh, down below, he's introduced to the members of this new team that's going to be operating from the moon as a protection from future cosmic threats, I would assume. Um, And it's heroes and villains teamed up, calling themselves the Totality. And its members are Hawkgirl, Martian Manhunter, Mr. Terrific, Vandal Savage, Tali Al Ghul, and Lex Luthor. Um... We're never going to get a book starring this team, but boy, would I love a book starring this team. Yep. Yeah, this, this is the Steve Orlando Science Justice League thing yes. all over again. Yep. And hell, let Steve Orlando write it. Why not? Why um, not? Why not, indeed. Um, and let's see. Okay, and so then um, on the next page, they talk about... Uh, this myriad of new so uh, at the totality in the totality group they're investigating these like anomalies in the new universe that's been created and they're talking about you know their past are, pasts are set but there's a myriad new futures that are open that's obviously a, a tip of the cap to futures end or <laughs> futures end god how many times are we going to do that uh future state the beginning of every issue of future state has a little paragraph that talks about how this is a possible vision of DC's future. So it seems to me that that's what they're investigating here. Um, we see images of justice incarnate, uh, the new Harley Quinn status quo 
the new Batman status quo. Um, we see the future state John Kent Superman. We see Yara Floor. Um, we see the the multiversal map, which I, I believe the map is unchanged. Like this is this is pretty much Grant Morrison's map, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but there are infinite Earths now. Right. So this is one. That is one multiverse, and then they establish in this that there are now infinite multiverses in an infinite web, the infinite frontier, even which they they uh, they use that phrase in this. They also use the phrase a sort of omniverse. Yep. So tip of the cap to dirty old Uncle Rich for that one because he's been he's been using omniverse for months now. Um, and then on the next page, uh, there's further discussion with Wally about how their Earth is no longer the center of the multiverse, um, which historically it always has been. Um, and that there are two, they've detected two centers now, but they don't really know anything about them. They may have found one and it might be an earth or an alpha world as they're calling it or the else world. (laughs) And, you know, I, I don't know how much I liked death metal issue seven as like a conclusion to death metal. But this stuff at the end is all the nutty DC stuff. This all whips. I love. Yes, this is all. Just, you know, Scott Snyder just keep piling on these uh, phrases and mysteries that we don't know anything about yet. Like, this is the good stuff. Um, this is this is the stuff that's, that's good about reading DC comics, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so now we have, you know... Uh, new centers of the DC cosmology. We have this else world. We have infinite multiverses, this infinite frontier aside from the infinite frontier part, who knows if we'll ever see any of this stuff again, (laughs) you know, like, Oh, I forgot to mention in the part where they're talking about, uh, the multiverse and the web of infinite multiverses, they make sure (laughs) actually I'm going to read this verbatim. Okay. Uh, the earth was restored. All of us were brought back as we were before the Batman who laughs attack. I feel like that's DC very more bad. We're letting you know that like we're going back before he attacked. So technically he still exists, you know, later on they say, that's the everything of it. The dark multiverse is below us. Again, like letting us know, like, you're definitely going to see more dark multiverse in the future. This thing's not going away. Am I wrong? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I, I also think it's interesting that they chose that. Like, to, I thought that this was going to be a resetting of the deck, and so you were going to see characters who were long dead like for instance Roy Harper show up again but they're saying like no it's reset to before the Batman who laughs attack which is the beginning of death metal so anybody who is dead when death metal starts appears to still be dead right yeah yeah so like not everything is restored just all the memories are right yes um 
yeah, it's 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 wild. Um, I can't wait to see how that's all. I actually, I actually want to get beyond future state now. Even though, even though I was like digging the idea of future state, like I'm ready to see what this is all going to amount to. Um, but that that's that's the joke in the game of uh, of corporate comics, I guess, isn't it? Um, okay, last couple pages are Brian Hitch pages, um, and they take place on Earth Zero, the Prime Earth, uh, 1943, and Sergeant Rock is uh, writing in a journal, and he talks about how I'm writing all I'm writing all this stuff that we experienced down so that I remember everything. Um, because my his memories are like actively fading as he's doing this, so he finishes up, and Carter Hall appears, and he hands the book back to Carter Hall. It's the Journal of Carter Hall that we've seen kind of throughout the metal stuff, and uh, he talks about how our story is one story and it all matters. Again, a thing that we've heard a dozen times in this series, and then on the last page you've got Sergeant Rock, and I guess this is. Is this the JSA or is it All Star Squadron? Th- those kind of get, those kind of get, the line gets blurred there for it's, me. It's the JSA, I think. Yeah. This is the what JSA, is yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, we have Hawkman and Hawkwoman, Alan Scott, the Spectre, Doctor Fate, Our Man, the Flash, Wildcat, the Atom, and Jesse and uh, uh, Liberty Bell, rather. Liberty Bell, yeah. Yeah. Um, fighting, fighting in World War Two. And that's it. That's it. So I, I have sort of a, a big question to ask you guys. I don't want to take too much time with because we've already been podcasting for a long time. But um, is there anything that happened in Death Metal 7 that – so we've seen solicits now through March, right? Is there anything that happened in Death Metal 7 that will be reflected in the solicits for the rest of the year in terms of books announced? Or are these concepts just like overarching DC ideas that we're not going to necessarily see books form out of i would say generally not we won't see anything other except i don't know what this year's big event is going to be and like if it might reference it yeah i don't know i mean i think due due to the way that solicitations work and how far out in front they got with the future state stuff I don't think there's anything here that surprised us other than other than the actual mechanics of saying like this is the infinite mul- this is the an infinite web of inti- infinite multiverses you know Yeah I I think there's a chance that we get a World War 2 set book I um, could see that yeah I also wonder like is this see here is where the multiverse gets so confusing right on one hand we are getting like in in the infinite crisis era it was confusing because we had all of the world war 2 earth 2 heroes here which made sense in crisis and infinite earth like they were the first generation but once the multiverse came back, 
it was confusing as to okay wait were they actually here or are they did they come over from earth too are there two hour mans and two wildcats and whatever like on different earths and so i wonder if we did get a world war ii set book if that would be an earth zero world war ii set book or is that an earth two title mm-hmm. those are the only questions that i have going forward about about some of this stuff is just how much how much undoing of crisis on infinite earths and sort of because remember that's the first time that these characters were ever from the same earth right so how much of that gets undone (sighs) if anything no idea yeah i just don't know yeah, I don't. I don't know because I, I think there. I think very clearly, all these different Earths exist, but then that that creates some. Con- I mean, essentially, death metal is telling you not to worry about that question. Absolutely, and, and I think that overall, that's really good advice for enjoying comics. But I do think that just like going forward. It is, it's, I don't care what the answer is. I just want to know they have an answer for it so yeah. that stories can be somewhat consistent going forward. Even if it's a bullshitty answer, like, sure, sure. Yeah, I, I, I really don't care. But, but you're right. You're right. The, I'm fine ignoring that kind of thing. But if a, if a multiverse is going to exist and they're going to tell stories, set on earth too potentially then then you do have to kind of establish like where all the stuff pre-crisis happened or post-crisis yeah right. i also think that there's there's a fine answer which is that all of this stuff happened like essentially after crisis on infinite earths all that stuff still happened on this Earth, but there's also the pre-crisis Earth Two out there someplace where Bruce Wayne dies and Dick Grayson and Helena Wayne both become lawyers and all that stuff. I think I think it's fine to have that. I just want to know what that is so that when we know, so that, like you said, when stories are told in those other Earths, we know what those Earths are. Yeah, I think that's. That's probably how they will handle it. Yeah, there's. Well, if you if you consider that, if you can if you if you assume that what Jeff Johns did with Doomsday Clock wasn't completely thrown out, you could imagine that at that point of uh, an Earth, a different Earth branched out. You sure. Know? Sure. Yeah, if that makes. Sense. I don't know. Really, like. None of that just really matters anymore, though, because it we're, doesn't. like, back to Infinite Earths. Like, everything happened somewhere. Like, it doesn't. Sure, sure. Right. Yeah. But, I, yeah. And like I said, I'm fine ignoring it. But, what? But yeah, I get what Brian's saying, because, like, if there, if there are two different Earth 2s where things happened, I mean, we know there are, because there's infinite of them. Right. It's just important but, to know the characters that we're dealing with. It's important to know... Sort of where they come from. Yeah. Um, I will also say... Uh, they, they came from DC Comics who made them. Yes. We did a quick interview on Multiversity with uh, Andy Schmidt, who's writing the uh, the uh, 
crime syndicate miniseries. And what he said was that I asked, like, how, how closely are readers going to be able to recognize Earth 3 from previous Earth 3s? And his answer sounded a lot like the New 52, and I don't mean that in a bad way. He kind of said, like, everybody knows the broad strokes of Earth 3. None of those things have changed. We're sort of doubling down on those things to give people an Earth 3 that just makes a little bit more sense. And I think that's a fine way to approach the new multiverse. Like, I don't think anybody necessarily... I mean, there are sickos who do, but I don't think anybody necessarily wants, like, Earth 4 or Earth 5, whatever, to be perfectly restored to what it was pre-crisis. I think as long as the broad strokes are there, you're probably fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right, any closing death metal thoughts? Mm -mm. Um, I guess I'll just say that, like, How did I feel about death metal on the whole? Well, I had fun with it. Even if looking back on it, I I think it ended up being pretty slight, at least the main event. And (laughs) kind of like Frankenstein wastes a minute of your time here and there. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I had fun, but I don't think it was a great event. If that... If that makes sense. For for every truly great moment, there was a there was a dumb moment. At least the dumb moments were kind of winky and and kind of knew that they were dumb. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I, I as a whole, I liked a lot of it. I don't feel feel like the main series is all that memorable. I feel like a lot of the heavy lifting was in the tie-ins. I'm sure I'll probably reread it one day and maybe figure out my my optimal reading order. But yeah, I I think that this is. I think it's going to be very easy in in ten years to look back at this and say like, oh, the pandemic really fucked up death metal. I don't think it touched it at all. I think all the problems in death metal come more from the editorial shakeups at DC or just the constricted sandbox that Snyder and Capullo are playing in. I don't think that the pandemic had any effect on this. I think it's faults or its own. Yeah. All right, folks, that does it for another installment of the DC three cast. Um, you have already heard by this point, or you'll be hearing tomorrow, depending how we release these, the first episode of future state. We'll be doing future state for the next few months. And uh, we're excited about that. And uh, I am very excited for Infinite Frontier, as I'm sure we all are. Let's see how all this shakes out. I'm sure we'll be back to discuss death metal at some point in the future. But until then, if you need to get in touch with us, uh, two-thirds of us are on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs an App. And I am at Walker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is searching for that Earth out there. And because there are infinite Earths, he'll find it. An Earth where the Packers win every Super Bowl. <laughs> and that is where he's going to choose to live out the remainder of his days. That's that's uh, that's Earth 2 because it was back in uh, the 1940s and 50s and they were winning every championship. And Well, just remember, none of that would be possible without New Jersey's own Vince Lombardi. So... <laughs>
Thanks for listening, folks. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. I, on my days off, I've been going through, I started at episode four and I've gotten through episode seven because I'd watched one through three earlier this year. And every time I rewatch Star Wars, I like come away with like a drastically new favorite and like ranking. <laughs> um, okay. I love you, Zach. God, you, you just wild out. And, well, my new thing now is that Empire is the worst one of the original trilogy. You are so full of shit, motherfucker. Uh, I don't want to talk to you ever again. Ep- episode, what the fuck? Episode six, episode six is the best one. Uh, it goes, it goes six, four, five. Right. I know you say you're not the Choom Lord, but fuck off, man. You think Return of the Jedi is the best one? Yeah, it's the best one. It's the best one. You just do this. To... <laughs> my new top three. No. Is eight seven one. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? It goes. It goes eight seven one six four five three nine two. Where did you find the one combination that nobody else has? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> That's just how I feel right now. That's just my current current how I feel. Zach, I, Zach, I, you know I love you, right? Yeah. You know I love you. Okay. Kingdom Hearts has poisoned your shit so yep. much. This is only an opinion that can be held by somebody who truly loves Kingdom Hearts. I will not explain that statement. You don't have to. I know what you mean. You know, exactly. I know what you mean. I know yes. what you mean. Um but yes. yeah, that's just where I'm that's just where I'm at right now. You're you, you I love you. You're so wild. Also You're... solo is better than Rogue One by a long shot. Oh, God. Um I don't think that's I don't think that's that outrageous. Good. I've also decided that anyone who puts Empire Strikes Back as number one or Phantom Menace as the the worst one, their list is instantly invalidated. It doesn't count. Okay. Um, Empire Strikes Back can be number one. No, yes. it can't. Phantom Menace is not the worst. I agree. Why? Why not? I don't. Empire understand. Strikes Back is vastly overrated no, no it's not no it's yeah not. it's it's just an okay movie oh god it's visually <laughs> really good it's visually really good it's like a comic it's a comic that looks really good but the the story uh, i don't oh, know oh no the set pieces that's the... that's the visuals that's all the visuals okay there, there is, there is so much fucking good stuff in Empire. I, I, I'm waiting though until I rewatch Nine because I think on rewatch it might rank a little bit higher. It's worse. It gets worse every time you see it. I don't know. I, I'm, I've been thinking back on it a lot, and I'm like, oh, no, you haven't. Maybe no. I like it. I don't know. We'll see. No. We'll see. But right now, I stand by. The one, the the place I'm the most iffy about is I could flip six and one. Maybe six might be better than one. I can't decide. It is for sure, but okay. It is, <laughs> but it's not. It's not. I think you have three lower than I thought. This is just purely in terms. This isn't. I I should clear. Like I don't think that like episode one is a better movie than episode five this is like my personal preference my ranking this is like my personal enjoyment 
what I believe. You, you say that, but you then you also said Empire Strikes Back is just an okay movie. No, I said it's vastly overrated. And then you and said then, it's just and, an okay movie. And then you said it's just an okay movie. I, okay, Those were your well, exact words. Okay, it's a, you it's may a as well technically have... it's a technically very well made film. That is the exact opposite of what you said earlier. <laughs> but it's just an okay movie. It it this only like... has it only has the best Luke, Leia, Han, Lando. Um, uh, no, no, yes. no. Yes. Vader. Vader. This is like yep. this is like Six is really good. I've been sleeping on six for a while. You know what? Tomorrow you're not even going to remember you said this. That's true. No, I've been thinking about it for several days. This is just like a lot of thought. This is just like Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot is uh, she's wonderful. And then she was an absolute delight in Wonder Woman parentheses 2017 close parentheses. She was. She was. You'll forget you ever said it, and I will lambaste you on the internet, and you'll pretend that I'm making it up. <laughs> so here's the thing with, with, with Jedi, with, with Return of the Jedi, okay? First of all, Harrison Ford is basically balancing his checkbook in his I, head the I entire movie. I don't think that's true. He, has, he does a good he No, does he good doesn't. Job. The yeah, way he, he says, like, there, there's that scene after Jabba's Palace when they're in, like, the rebel base, and he's like, I don't know, pal. You, you just He's so fucking bored. The whole movie, he's really bored. He's bad. Ah, see, I think I think that's just a narrative that was created. I don't. I think he. I think the thing is, Harrison Ford pretends that he hates Star Wars, but he actually like loves it when he's doing it. No, he doesn't. No, he Are you does. kidding yeah, me? He does. Yeah, he, he does. does. He's like, he I don't just... know what a fucking Force ghost is. Like, yeah, you do. You've been doing this for forty years. Come on. He's he's, Get off. he's he's making it sound like he hates it more than he really does. That's but what he, does, he still doesn't like but, it. But he doesn't like it. I don't think he likes anything. <laughs> <laughs> he like he loves to chew him. Oh, yes, he, he does. He loves Callista Flockhart and smoking weed. And and, and and earrings great. and earrings. He loves and earrings. wearing earrings. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yes, those are things that he loves. But yeah. the fact that he showed up to, to the shoot for episode nine and wouldn't even shave, and then they put it in the movie. <laughs> he looked like he just walked off the street. Well, episode nine was a mess, so. I don't know. You're going to like it better than Empire in five I minutes because you're fucked up. But... No, I didn't say that. I don't I don't think I would ever go. I would never put it over in a real original yeah. trilogy film, I don't think. Could but I might. Ten minutes you don't have an original trilogy film in your top three, you fucking psychopath. <laughs> Because, like, I thought about it like this, too. You've got, like, three sets. You've got, like, the technically really great movies, which are the middle, which is my middle, my core, six, four, five. That's there. That's a thing. And then you've got the the truly, like, great font, the best ones that are good because of the... they run because the other ones walked or, or ran, they run faster because the other ones ran and that's eight, seven and one. And then you've got the other ones that are just kind of there, you know, they have their things. Nine, three, two, three, you nine, two. You saying that and then including one in that is just wilding out. One man. is a beautiful, great film. One has everything that's good about star Wars in it. Plus, um, one has Plus, a lot of good stuff, but it has a lot of shit too. No, it's got everything that's good. Everything that's good about Star Wars is in one. Yeah, you know, you're right. Trade disputes. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the good stuff. Racism. Yeah, I, I was gonna say virulent 
anti-Semitism. Yeah, uh, the, man, bad the child sucks. acting. Yeah. Yeah, the galaxy sucks, and like kids are really annoying. And uh, what's great about Star Wars, though? Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah. yes, it's true. It's yeah. not what's great about Star Wars. No, you're double talking here. No, you are I think, double talking. I think I'm right. I think I'm right. You are double talking like a Trade Federation. Uh, yeah, fucking like new Gunray over here. Yeah. <laughs> no. What I mean, are you, Watto? It's good. It's good. It's really good. Eight eight seven one. Yeah. I stand by it. You know yeah. all those. You know all those Jedi who stand for all the good in the universe. No, but, they don't. They suck. But let a boy's mother remain in slavery because yeah, he doesn't want to suck. break a slight rule. Yeah. Yeah, because they suck, and he's the best one. So then, that's not the best thing about Star Wars. No, though. the best thing about Star Wars is that the Jedi are the worst. That's uh, not the best thing about Star Wars. It's, it's one, one of the, the worst things. things. Oh, but that's one of the best things. Oh, let's, let's talk about death metal so I can kill myself in peace. Okay? 